What is up, futurists? Your host, Michael Sakand here, and you're listening to Our Future, the business podcast for young people, where you will hear from the founders and executives shaping the future of business. My next guest is Ian Shapiro, VP of Strategy and Valuation at IPG360 Innovative Partnerships Group, where he works on multi-million dollar real estate deals across the entertainment and sports industries and beyond. We discuss the rise of mixed use developments, real estate in light of COVID-19, the emergence of smart buildings, and why he loves working in this crazy industry. This one was awesome. Let's dive in to the future of real estate. You know, I, I looked at your profile a bit and like when I first glanced at it, I didn't know exactly what IPG did, but let me start by taking a crack at what I think you do. And then you can follow that up with what you really do. So you help sports stadiums convey the value of their physical space in light of potential sponsorships for those venues. So we help people get revenue. Simplest way to put it, whether it be sports stadiums, universities, mixed use developments, smart cities, and we do it through true business partnerships. For instance, in Canton, Ohio, they were doing a new development. We said, what do you guys need? Well, you need in the development, you're going to need someone to do your building information systems, right? You're building integration on for a, using a vendor. And so then we went to the vendor and said, listen, instead of someone coming to your showroom in Milwaukee, come here, come enjoy it. Come walk around and see how you've integrated your building systems into a hotel, into a retail center, into a football stadium and bring it to life. And so we did that and ended up being a $150 million partnership. Mixed use developments are really popping up, you know, being able to have an apartment and then walk to retail, walk to restaurants, not necessarily having like streets and cars, even in that equation. Why, why is it kind of exciting with these new mixed use developments to bring these various like businesses and uh, players into kind of a new community of real estate? Because I think you want to be connected no matter where you are, right? So you want to be able to, I mean, driving is fine, right? But if you live in a dense urban area, driving is not a super tenable idea. So I live in downtown Chicago. So I can walk out of my apartment and walk to a cafe. I can go grab a beer. I mean, the United Center where the Hawks and Bulls play is two miles down the road. To have all of that within a concentrated district, it's like then you get the vibe of a very eclectic, different group, no matter where you go, versus living in a neighborhood, hopping your car, driving 40 minutes to downtown Detroit and saying, oh, okay, this is what I have to do. I'm just going to hang out here. No, like yeah. you want to be part of the action. And so I think that's the attraction here. Yeah. So how do you be part yeah. of the action? How do you, um, I mean, in Detroit, you're probably familiar with, like, how do you revitalize the city? For, for my generation, I think suburbia is dead. As you said, we want to be part of the action. And I think people are increasingly like moving into urban hubs. Do you envision this model just taking over cities? I don't know if suburbia is, I think eventually suburbia is going to be nice because you're going to want a family, have a dog, run around, all that good stuff. But I think when people are young and working, being downtown is to me is the best place to be whether it be downtown like ferndale for instance if you're using michigan geography or even in an arbor you want to be somewhere where you can go out your front door and see what everyone has to offer where if you live in suburbia it's like okay walk out my garage door into a car and then drive and see yeah. highway after highway after highway like there's nothing there's nothing else there so i think 
yeah, for young people like you and your generation, even mine, you want to go to a place that's cosmopolitan, something with the action, something with the arts, with the culture, music, sports. So it's all very different. You were a sports analyst at Rossetti, and yep. you describe your work at IPG to be quite focused on the sports area. How does, how does that fit into this equation in terms of the real estate and the stadiums and things like that? Well, I think there's stadiums are generally anchors of developments, but a stadium is a standalone in the middle of a field, doesn't do anyone any good. But I think as part of a district and to be that catalyst, it could be a huge, I mean, there are some cities that do it phenomenally well. Los Angeles is a good example. LA Live pre-Lakers was like nothing. There was nothing there. But now it's at center of, you have that, you have the Microsoft Theater, you have, um, you know, people are moving downtown, uh, Deloitte, PwC, all these large firms moving downtown because they know, hey, listen, if you want to entertain, you want to be around it, why not work till seven and go ca- catch the end of a Laker game, you know? And so having that, and I mean, Seattle does it well too. Sports is just part of culture. It has been forever. So now if you intertwine that in real estate, it's a pretty, pretty straight up play. Makes a lot of sense. A question I've always had for people in real estate and doing these like developments, how do you get everybody on the same page? Like there's so many different actors in the public sector, in the private sector, contractors. How do you get everybody to adhere to a coherent vision? You make sure that all the stakeholders at the table when you start bringing up the idea. And it can't be just a game of telephone. It can't say, oh, Michael, you talked to so-and-so and that person talked to so-and-so and I heard... I'm like, well, you, well, you care about you know, these two tenant things. Well, no, I want to hear from you. And then it's everything's on the table and you, you got to take what you want off the table and let everyone else fight for everything else. But you got you to tr- create the fairest deal. I think that's part of it's going into the P3 model, public-private partnership. Make sure that everyone has a stake in the game and has some skin in it so that it's not just some private developer doing it. It's a private developer in conjunction with thinking about the stakeholders of the city. Yeah, I think that stakeholder thought is really important because there's definitely been pushback to some developments across the country and that there's this idea of gentrification occurring with the Lululemon in the historically, you know, uh, a colored neighborhood, for example, uh, or replacing a center of arts <clears throat> in the community. How, how do you how do you, how does your company approach kind of as, a, as you kind of noted, looking at all those stakeholders and saying, hey, would this be a positive thing or would this be potentially harmful to the history of, of, of a community, for example? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. So it, it, an easy example is when I was with Rosetti, we built the Washington Wizards training facility. The Wizards play in downtown Chinatown, but their practice facility, what's in Ward, it's called Ward 8, right? That's how they delineate the different districts within D.C. Ward 8 is a little bit more impoverished, uh, very diverse background. And their practice facility, I think, was right across the street from a mental institution that housed the guy who shot Reagan, just to give you some background and, and context. <laughs> and so how do you build a practice facility for million-dollar athletes in a neighborhood that's impoverished, right? Those things you would think wouldn't go together. Well, we worked with the city, worked with the mayor, uh, Bowser, worked with the other stakeholders within the community of Ward 8 to say, we're not going to put Nike signs all over. We're not going to go um, put this up in lights. We're going to make this a community asset so that, yes, there's a private side for the basketball players. Obviously, there's, I mean, obviously, that's how they, just, they have to go about their business. But there's a huge community aspect, right? Uh, you can do shows. You can do esports. You can do whatever else. 
And Rossetti was really intentional about trying to work with the stakeholders in the community to make this a public facility, not just a privatized thing for Ted Leonsis and Monumental. What is the climate of real estate development right now? Is there deal flow? Or are we seeing kind of a, a market stagnation in the kind of deals going on right now in the space? Overall deal flow, probably a little bit stagnant. I think what you're going to see is a lot of transformation of what real estate would look like. So for instance, there's a development downtown in River North in Chicago. You would think it would just be an apartment building. It's more of a co-working space. And so, I mean, I guess COVID aside, right? Because no one's going to plan for a global pandemic. I think it's more about how do we connect to the downtown? We were talking about earlier about the destinations and having, um, I think LA Live was the example I used. For this, it's how are you just merged within the neighborhood in Chicago? I mean, so while you would think that all these firms are buying up a ton of office space, I think they're reformatting the office space, right? Reformatting to be, once again, more of a, a lifestyle lounge community. I mean, the the kegs of beer, the coffee cups, you know, all that good stuff. And yeah. just making that community. I mean, the 1871 building here is an incubator for all these new startup tech funds. It's awesome. And so I think you're seeing a lot of that pop up in a lot of different cities. You know, St. Louis is a huge market for it. Austin, obviously a huge market for it. And so just how do you connect with that, uh, all these pieces, and all these players from a human capital lens and bring them to one kind of central location? What is your view on the whole rise and fall of WeWork? How do I say this lightly? Uh, if I could have shorted them, I would have. Um, well, you could have if they'd if uh, right, they they, messed they up the numbers. <laughs> yeah. So the thing with WeWork, and it's an interesting business case, it doesn't make a whole lot of business sense because they're holding a lot of the leases, right? And so if you looked at their 10K, if you were nerdy like me and you read it, and you understood the fact that they were accumulating revenue as fast as they were accumulating debt, they were just getting revenue from their tenants then go absorb debt in buildings. But now when you don't have tenants or your tenants can't pay you, you're the one holding the bag monetarily it's a very hard business model to have long term especially if you don't own 100 percent of the building and the building is not indebted right because if you have a mortgage you're not going to stop your mortgage payments you're not going to set your debt principal against it um i think we work is unfortunately a more common thing than people expect and people know i think just the governance model and the interconnectivity of uh newman i think was his brother-in-law i think it was a general counsel COO was, I think, a sister. Like everyone knew each other, but there was no, the board didn't stand up and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. There has to be some level of church and state here that this can't work with that, so on and so forth. There's been a few companies that have tried to democratize real estate, like uh, Cater, uh, which is run by Ryan Williams. He was on the cover of Forbes a year or two ago. What do you think about splitting a real estate asset into like shares and then providing that to people on a mobile app. Is that, is that, is there money there? Is that, does that make sense? So actually you're, you're, you go to Michigan, you'll like this. So Funerize, well, shout out to them. Oh yeah. They're a great platform. Yeah. Crowdfunding, uh, crowdfunding for real estate. Um, so a little bit of what you're talking about. I mean, they're more of the equity component. Uh, started by two Michigan guys, I think, uh, Ben and Dan Miller, I think are in the names. Um, sorry for listening to this podcast and I got it wrong. Uh, but I think that's probably an easier way to do it of have the equity stake be crowdfunded so that then you and I can go and put in, I think the minimum is going to be a thousand dollars 
into these developments and have kind of portfolio control. Do do you think the way do you think the way that buildings are going to be built and designed is going to change after COVID in terms of a sanitation angle and a social distancing angle potentially? So absolutely, I think they have to change. I think what COVID did is it gave a lot of people, both from the design community and outside, even just how employees and you know your staff and how you organize your um, own internal organization, a chance to kind of reboot, right? How do you relook at things? Uh, you know, spatial programming is going to be a huge thing. Um, not even the six feet rule, but I think also when you walk into a building, right? Just think about when you walk into any building, Ross even, you're touching two large doors right? Unless you're touching the handicap, the automatic door opener, you're touching a door. But you're touching two of them because there's one inside as well. And so you just think about how do you plan for that customer journey? Right? I think think the a lot of it will be mobile. I mean, whether it be um, a scanner for your temperature, whether it be something else. um, I think even knowing who's inside the building. So even fingerprint, just to say, as you go into building, here's who we have, here's what we know about them. Um, not even just from a security, but also just a lot of people don't know who's in the building. They just know about the ticket. I'm just like a control and a risk aversion play rather than just a purely security play. Why did you get involved in real estate? What real estate does, it presents a unique problem for each development. A unique problem, unique challenges also come with unique opportunities. And so you have a chance to be a part of something. And there's something... Um, internal and visceral in a good way to be able to touch something you create, right? To go to a park to say, hey, you helped plan it. Or to go to a stadium and say, hey, you know what? I was one itty bitty cog in this whole development. Um, there's something to that. But also like helping a community. Um, but yeah, real estate just has a bunch of challenges that are so fascinating to me. I mean, it's nothing against accounting, but I couldn't imagine sitting there being a peanut counter every day. So why should students be excited about going into real estate? There's a ton of kids in Ross who obviously want to go that path. What's your advice to them? How do you navigate this career? Is this something you dive into early or is it something you get into later? How does it work? Um, In terms of just getting into the career, you can do it passively for a little bit. I think the biggest piece of advice is know your value and know how that value applies to the larger overall scheme, right? So for instance, if you're really good in finance, learn how to do a real estate performer because someone will come to say, come to you and say, okay, hey, Michael, I heard you and a couple of buddies got, you know, X amount of money, let's say $100,000 to go put down payment on a, a house or a small shopping center or whatever. And we know you want to sell it. And you're like, great, how can I help you? Use your financial skills and use that sweat equity as a learning experience. I mean, getting into these crowdsourcing you know, the fundraisers of the world and just seeing deals, just understanding how do you, you know, there was a guy who was at Ross, David Brophy. I don't know if you had a chance to take his class. He's an old, I had to take his class. Yeah. He's sick though. He he, he is sick. He's amazing. Just understanding term sheets. I mean, he, we had two full full quarters on term sheets. Understand what are you getting into? How does a cap table work? Um, It's a little bit more finance and specifically real estate. And you start understanding the process and just knowing that all these skills you're gaining across the way, along the way rather, they're all transferable, right? As someone told me, the only difference between a $14 million development and a $14 billion development 
is you just got a thousand times worth of risk. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ian Shapiro, VP of Strategy and Valuation at IPG 360. Real estate is definitely a super exciting place to be right now, especially as we reimagine our physical spaces and buildings become more integrated into this vast network that will be smart cities. Had a blast potting with you guys today. Always remember, stay frosty. Have a great weekend. Peace.